Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are wrapping up our Sad Girl Unit with a listener-submitted author. Uh, we, we chose the book, but uh, listener Bryn sl- submitted, submitted this author. Uh, we read the Anatol... The Anatomical Shape of a Heart by Jen Bennett. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. I yes, got the author correct. Excellent. Good job, me. Um, what did you think about this one, Em? Um, what did I think about this one? Well, there were a lot of things that I think it did very well and I liked uh-huh. it for. Uh-huh. Um I, I think the main issue for me was just there was kind of the central conceit of this book. I found so unrealistic. The graffiti of it all? Yeah, the graffiti of it all, that it was really <laughs> hard for me to kind of not laugh at everything that was happening. Yeah. It did take itself very seriously, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think I think for, for a YA contemporary, like, I don't think any YA readers would be disappointed by this one. Yeah, but and I, I think it improved on some of the things that we've had issues with, or at least that I've had yes. issues with, in the other two that we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically in the handling of sexuality. Yes, this one was very open about like, hey, they're they're both eighteen and they're both gonna want to do it, but didn't go into the to the doing it. Just it did a little a bit, little, but mostly faded to black. Yeah, graphic in a way that would have made me want to stop reading. And I was more thinking about um, kind of the handling of being young and navigating other people's sexual histories. Mm, yeah, that I too. felt was much better handled in this book than yeah. the other and two. The mom, too, in this one being sex positive. And yeah, I've got issues with the mom, though, but the sex issues. positivity was she good. She did have some stuff going on. She had some like, stuff going on. Absolutely wild. <laughs> egregious, egregious behavior that really was kind of glossed over, I feel. Absolutely. Very easily forgiven for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the situation um yeah <laughs> but yeah I think I I agree with you and getting into who we would recommend this for I think if you're a YA contemporary fan I think this is a perfectly you know acceptable example it's of the a genre book. yeah it um it was certainly the best of the three we read yeah I think I agree with that maybe I not even remember oh Sylvia Plath I yeah, was gonna I was say like, I think Belger might have been better for me in terms of writing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of my enjoyment, I think I liked this one more. Yes, yeah. If you're looking at this purely from like a non-academic, just reading mm-hmm. to enjoy something stance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not out here saying Jen Bennett totally owns Sylvia Plath on the literary <laughs> floor, but like, <laughs> uh, definitely a lot less bleak. <laughs> mm. And I think that kind of gets into me into it for me in terms of where does this fall in the sad girl pantheon how sad is this girl um well this book does open with someone calling her literally capital s capital g sad girl this is very true but then we later go on to find out that he calls her that because she always looks sad and he says sometimes people that look happy are actually sad and people who look sad are actually happy yeah so so she's she's a fake poser sad girl. <laughs> I kind of do feel a little bit like compared to 
the other trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. I felt that this one just had a little bit more of an upbeat quality in general. It wasn't yes. fully happy, but it was a little bit less bleak, I think, yeah. than the other two. And yeah, both both the characters certainly had uh, heavier topics to deal with, but it wasn't uh, so overwhelming. Mm. I We chose this book from Jen Bennett's catalog because there's something in the blurb about there being skeletons in the main the main sad girl's backstory, but the skeletons were literally skeletons. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> literal dead bodies yeah. so. were the skeletons in her closet. <laughs> And the skeletons in the love interest closet were, like, not really his. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was, like, twice removed. Whereas, yeah. like, in the oh, Sarah Dessen book, it was, like, her best friend was pregnant. And this mm-hmm. one, it's, like, her boyfriend's sister. So, yeah. yeah. Just very sad girl adjacent. Mm-hmm. Which I think <laughs> is kind of a lot of times the sad girl vibe is that it's, like, yeah. someone – near you is dealing with a thing and how does that affect you to show you how it could always be worse yeah but Mm. mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) uh well what else have you been reading other sad girl books books. oh no yeah (laughs) you Um, got sucked in well before we had decided on this one i was kind of looking at other sad girl books to read and the one that i was gonna pitch is the one that i ended up just reading just to see kind of exploring the genre you know and Mm -hmm. i think it does definitely fit in this genre um and i really liked it it was uh maybe a little bit longer than I like there was definitely there was a lot going on in it the book that I am talking about is a book by Erica L. Sanchez called I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter Um, and it is about a girl who her older sister dies um, very suddenly in a uh, motor accident and she is like the older daughter is the you know very like stay at home, wants to help be around the family sort of child. And uh, the main character is not and like wants to leave and go to college and whatnot. Um, So it's her dealing with like the after effects of the death of her sister and how that kind of affects her family dynamic and like this family in which she's a first generation immigrant. Um, And uh, she like kind of uncovers that maybe her sister's life wasn't exactly what it seemed to be. And then also it gets into like issues of mental health and um, depression and anxiety and things like that and how she navigates through that. So I think it like really, it kind of did both of the things where it was like the Sylvia Plath of like, she, you know, spoiler alert slash warning. um, She does attempt suicide at one point and she has to like go through an outpatient program and all this other stuff. So you get kind of that bell jar vibe. But then it's also like the how does a tragedy near you affect all of the dynamics, right, that we're seeing more in like this book and in the Sarah Dessen book, you know. So I thought it was a really good example, actually, of the sad girl genre and um, very refreshing because it was, you know, had a little bit more depth to it than perhaps this one or the Sarah Dessen one I felt, but was also more contemporary compared to the bell jar. Mm-hmm. How about you? What have you been reading? Nothing good that I want to talk about. Fantastic. I've read several books that were just so disappointing, uh, including one I, I really liked all the way through like the first third of it. And then it just got really tedious and Ugh. annoying. 
Um, which, you know, sometimes happens in fantasy romance because, this is true. you know, the romance takes a backseat to the, to the plot. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that, but okay. Uh, <laughs> how dare so, you? How dare you have a plot? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? We know what we want. Um, and it was dragon dicks. What are we doing here? It was double dicks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> I, uh, do remember enjoying though when I was of a more uh not appropriate age because I don't think it's inappropriate to read these books at my age but but the intended audience for sad girl Mm. books I really loved the Jessica Darling series by Megan McCafferty which starts with sloppy first these were like my favorite books I was devastated to learn that they are like over 20 years old well the first one was published in like 2001 (laughs) I was like Jesus I'm so old um it's like a series of I think it's five books and it just follows Jessica Darling her her friend Hope moves away and she like has no other friends and she's really stressed out about a lot of stuff and then she meets this boy named Marcus who's kind of like the bad boy of the school Mm. um but uh then they kind of fall in love and it goes all the way up through uh college and then as they're like young adults um, and like having actual adult jobs and stuff um, and kind of what happens with them. And I, I loved them. I think like the fourth and fifth books were not the best, but the first two certainly. Oh, see, I um, loved book five. I was you a, did. a big book five fan. It was a very um, wish fulfillment kind of mm-hmm. like after book four. But you guys got to read them. <laughs> it's interesting that we're, you kind of are lumping those in as sad girl books. Yeah, they kind of always did give me... I think uh, I agree in retrospect. Like sad it's, girl vibes. Yeah. it's the vibe. Like nothing really that sad happens, but it's yeah, the vibe, it's right? It's the vibe. Because I remember like, reading that, like, and I, I think it was like suggested to me in comparison to Meg Cabot, which are very mm-hmm. much not sad not girl books. Not sad girl books. Um, yeah. And I, I liked them, but I was like, mm, this isn't quite like that, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think it does yeah. kind of fit into the just general ennui that is yes. the sad girl book. Yeah, just having like having to deal with shitty emotions as a teenager, I think. And you know like, what other books I would put in this category, I think that would maybe seem like not at first glance, mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. Jenny Han's The Summer I Turned Pretty series. Yeah. I feel I like that, that sort of vibe. like vibe of like Oh, and back then, and you know that sort of like reminiscent a melancholy, melancholy. Yeah, Yeah. it's weird because again, in that one, like nothing super sad happens in that series. I don't think like there's kind of some stuff, but not like to the extent of Sylvia Plath, right? Yeah, (laughs) or even to anatomical shape of yeah a heart. Um, but yeah, interesting, very. Well, I love those books. I'm gonna go reread them now. Bye, everybody. <laughs> it was so nice to hear from you all. For you to hear from me, I suppose. You will be listening to me for the rest of the podcast. Good. Just uh, trying to explain this book and make jokes. It's fine. I also am going to be attempting to explain this book. So if <laughs> I interrupt, if I interrupt a lot to to correct or state plot points, it's, it's not my usual inability to keep my mouth shut. Before. Yeah, no. That would it's, be really unusual. I'm saying, you. I'm saying, I think, okay, full disclosure, in editing sometimes, especially because your husband has gotten on me for interrupting you before, but 
sometimes when I'm editing, I'm like, oh, I didn't really need to clarify that point. Like, it was pretty obvious what she was saying. Like, you know, I feel like I overexplain stuff too much. But in this particular instance, it has been asked for because Anna, I fucked up and messed up our schedule again. So we're recording this well after Anna read the book. So yes, in this instance, it is purposeful. Yes, I did a bad past Anna did a bad well past M did a bad too that's okay yeah so two wrongs make this mess (laughs) that could be right let's hope (laughs) let's hope uh (laughs) anyway um so the book starts out fuck I don't even remember their fucking names it is Um, sad girl sad girl and rich boy will Um, no will is the homeless guy it's hold on uh Bex, Becca. Bex, yes. Yeah. Beatrix, but Beatrix, she likes to go that's by Bex. And then he's something with a J, I feel like, because... Josh. Yeah, something. Jack. 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 Okay, Bex and Jack. Because all right, we J got names it. We are got bad it, news. We all know this. <laughs> um, okay, so Bex is... Um, she is an artist, but she's not just any artist, right? She's the quirky girl kind of artist that wants to grow up and do the illustrations and medical textbooks and stuff. I guess you could simplify that and just say medical illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, you could. She wants to do that. So she has uh, asked She has a dream. A, <laughs> yeah. She has asked the professor at this local uh, teaching hospital or just normal med school IDK um, if she can, if she can just sit in the morgue and draw, draw some bodies, MBD, I won't be in the way. I just want to, just want to sketch some real dead bodies because there's an art contest coming up and my family does not really have enough money otherwise to send me to college. So I have to enter this art contest and win first place and get the scholarship to go to the art school that I want to go to. Mm. Um, this particular night where the book begins, the professor she was supposed to meet with kind of stands her up. So she's trying to uh, get home. She has to take... They live in San Francisco. Uh, With the Animorphs. Yes. Oh, my God. Do you think they know each other? Um, Well, let's see. This would be... The Animorphs are coming out into the 2000s. This is like a decade and a half later. Was this like Uh mid-teens? So So do you think Bex's mom was a year at any point? Probably. 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 Definitely, definitely Jack's parents were. Mm, uh-huh. Yeah, 100%. They're Absolutely definitely pod people. they were. And maybe still are. IDK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she has to get on the bus and try and get home before her mom realizes that she is missing. Because her mom, who was a nurse, has, like, kind of forbidden Bex from doing this kind of art because she thinks it's too morbid. Which... which I, I think we both are going to say exactly how shitty that is. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's shitty, right? How are you going to forbid your child from drawing something? Like, <laughs> It's so... Her mom in this book is so weird because Absolutely sometimes odd. she's like super cool, single mom, doing the best she can, supporting her yeah. kids, being so chill with whatever they want to do. And sometimes she's like <gasps> pearl clutching. Uh, how could a young lady draw dead bodies? It's not appropriate yes. for someone of your age. Like what? Yes. And sometimes she just straight up lies. And sometimes <laughs> she does really fucking wild things that 
for really incredibly wild reasons that are very bad and terrible and do not get yeah. really dissected in this novel very much. Haha, <laughs> dissected. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she has to, she has to get home before mommy knows that she's missing, and uh, she's she's trying to hop on the bus and she meets at the bus stop this very attractive young man named Jack. And the two of them immediately hit it off. Uh, Bex is a self-proclaimed excellent flirter. And so they do a lot of really good flirting. And they're both immediately attracted to each other. Uh, But then, like, uh, Bex has to get off the bus. And uh, as she is, like, getting off the bus, she sees a can. No, no, it's Jack getting off the bus. Jack gets off the bus. And she notices a can of spray paint sticking out of his backpack. And she's like, I know who this kid is. We haven't we haven't exchanged names. Uh, we don't know anything about each other, where we live, et cetera, et cetera. But I know who this kid is. This kid is the infamous graffiti monster that has been tagging all kinds of places in San Francisco. And the entire government of San Francisco is out to get this Everyone kid. Everyone wants this kid. He's on the Everyone FBI's most wanted list. Jail. I love the fact that, okay, so we find out that this this terrible graffiti artist is going around with gold graffiti gold paint and tagging various various uh buildings and like well-known places with big words and it's very artistic not like normal graffiti which i was like what the fuck are you talking about artist such an artist letter things and yes handwriting can be pretty but like it's letters and it's one color. And it's one color. <laughs> cool. How much dimension are you getting there, bud? Exactly. Don't know. But he then, only has one color of spray paint, and it's an expensive gold it's expensive gold spray paint in a special type of spray bottle. Ugh. And also, he tags them all with a little a little golden apple at the bottom. That's and his signature. I'm mainly bringing it up because I think it's hysterical that they this gives him the name, like, the golden apple graffiti artist or, like, the golden, you know, like golden apple tagger or whatever, like they refer yeah. to him this as this way. The golden apple villain of San Francisco yeah. and must like, be stopped. Did she intentionally try to put a parallel to the Golden State Killer in here to make it seem more oh like extreme? <gasps> Maybe. Because <laughs> the way everyone talks about this crime is wild. It's, and everybody in the entire city is talking about it. Like, we're supposed to think it's like Banksy levels of thing, yes. of like graffiti, but there's no real political statement being made, right? Like it's he like, goes to the botanical gardens and he spray paints the word bloom. It's like everyone <laughs> in this novel is about to bust out with, have you heard there's a rumor in San Francisco? <laughs> have you heard what they're saying on the street? Like, oh my God. It's, it's a lot. Uh, it. <laughs> It's so like, and then also like, okay, so so they get to the point where a little bit later in the book, they're they're talking about how they want to charge this graffiti artist with like, put him in federal prison essentially, right. uh, because the amount of the amount property of damage, property damage. I'm like, you guys are literally just washing it off the next day. What it, it is? <laughs> like, I'm not. I I know that. Sometimes you can catch charges for graffiti. Yeah. And I'm sure with something this big, it would, you know, maybe add up a bit. But at the same time, the way that people are acting like it, it see, I was half expecting 
that there was gold because jumping around a lot here eventually we find out that jack is very rich and then eventually we find out that jack is the mayor's son yeah because of course he so is. he would never have gotten in any trouble right he never would have gotten in any trouble but the way they were talking about it i almost felt like what was gonna happen was that there was some scandal the mayor was trying to cover up and because of that he was like really trying to be tough on crime by pushing like oh we're God, gonna get yeah. the golden apple and it turns out the mayor is the one doing the <laughs> right <laughs> with his son uh like it just seemed like there had to be some sort of reason that everyone was so panicked about the graffiti and it's that, so no. stupid because <laughs> it's like it's on fucking sidewalks like if he had just used chalk and it would have been everyone would have been like Oh, what, oh wonderful, what wonderful street art. Oh, Yay. I love it. But because it's spray paint, they're like, throw him in jail for three years. <laughs> I think what? someone even makes the point at some point. They're like, the difference between art and graffiti is permission. And it's like, okay, but like chase that thought a little bit further, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> It We're was put someone in federal prison for riding on the sidewalk. Please. It was very much giving that episode of uh, Bob's Burgers where Tina starts dating the guy who's tagging ghosts around, like he's a graffiti artist, and uh-huh. she's treating it like, oh my god, it's this, he's this bad boy, and it's this big felony. But that's being played for laughs because it's <laughs> this like is they're completely serious, thirteen-year-olds, and in this, they're like, the fact that he is a graffiti artist might ruin literally everyone's lives. <laughs> everyone's book. life he's gonna the police <laughs> the police come to bex's house to question her at one point because she took a like, picture because she took a picture of it she took a picture of the art oh my god okay so <laughs> let's okay let's let's, let's backtrack let's a little get bit. back on track okay so jack <laughs> um jack and bex uh they feel this connection, right? And Bex is like, I shouldn't because I know who he is and he's a terrible criminal. But he was really cute and we had really good banter. So she goes to try and track him down. Um, and I think she goes she goes to talk to a um, an unhoused individual, Will, who he he's like well known I don't know just like at this bus stop or in the city like I don't I don't really know everyone knows who he is I and think she, tries she to get saw the him talking to Jack but at the very start yes. of this book so she yeah. like knows there's a connection so she tries to go back to him to find out more about him and then I don't remember where they run into each other again the second time. They run into each other because she then – she says that she's going to keep coming back to bother the professor, right? Like mm-hmm. that she wasn't there at the lecture today, so she's oh, going to be right. there the and next day. And he's on campus. He's uh, there on campus because he heard from Will that she was asking about him. So she, he's like – That's right. Okay, this isn't creepy if I follow her because she's been asking because about me. Because she already asked about me. Which yes. I appreciated because otherwise I think this would have come across as creepy. Like the fact that he's like, oh no, she wants to find me too. Continuously stalking her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was like, please stalk me. She yeah, there was, was this was a very consensual it. stalking. At one point yeah. she like challenges him to like get the info or whatever. So yeah, it could have been creepy. Meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Their second meeting, she doesn't tell him her name. And she all she tells him is like, here is an anatomy illustration blog. I'm one of the artists. If you can find out who I am, you're allowed to stalk me online. And by doing that, he does eventually find like 
her place of work. Well, he know. Okay. He finds out where she's going to go for her birthday because she posts about it on the blog. So he goes, it's this museum. I think it's just like a regular art museum, but they're yeah. having like a exhibit uh, like on anatomy art, I guess. There's this big anatomical heart, anatomically correct heart that she is real jazzed about going to see. Um, and she goes to view it. And then as they're leaving, there's this big commotion in the museum. And when she goes back in, she finds that someone has written in gold lettering underneath, not defacing any art, but like on, on underneath on, like on a the wall, dis- on a wall or something next to it has written the word celebrate. She snaps a picture of this as everyone's freaking out about it and then posts it online uh, and says the the golden apple graffiti killer is uh, <laughs> celebrating my birthday, LOL. And post that online. This also really, to me, calls into question the quality of this artwork that is apparently so spectacular, this graffiti artwork, because yeah. it he literally writes out the whole word celebrate in like it seems like the spence in the space the of the middle of the day. Right. Like and someone he like someone clocks him and <laughs> goes to get security and by the time they come back he's done. So I'm like this could not have been a very it cuz graffiti True. art can be like very in depth and like detailed and stuff, but like this mm-hmm. is not that. This is literally just he's writing the fucking word celebrate as quickly as he can and getting out. Like and then getting out. Yeah. Uh this is also the point of the book that w- I was like you know, I know I have main character syndrome, but I do find that very flattering. That's what to face a museum for my birthday. Jesus, Anna. I was like, yeah, all right, Jack. See, I felt all of their courtship kind of annoyed me. Mm. Once they were, like, together, I was like, okay, they're cute. Like, I like them. But yes, all of this, do- I almost wish the book had started with them as, like, already a couple, but that wouldn't have worked for several reasons. Um, cause then it would be like, why doesn't she know any of this stuff about his life? Uh, but yeah, it just, it really, it just was so twee, all of the back really, and forth, you know? It was like every time they interacted before they started dating was a different kind of meat. Yes. And I was like, this is a lot to yeah. <laughs> have to read over and over. Uh, so the police, the police come to Bex's house and are like, are you friends with the golden apple graffiti killer? And she's like, nah, dude, I don't even know his name because at this point it is true. She does not know his name. She's like, he's not one of my friends. And they're like, if you are hiding something, he's going to take you down. You're going to go to jail too, little lady. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Which again, like would make sense if this was some weird thing. The mayor was like. This is on the docket. I really want you guys to to do this. You know, crack but down on teen crack crime. down on teen crime to to hot, like to detract attention from the fact that I'm having an affair with the teacher at my kid's school with or something like that. With a spray paint manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> but as it is, it's just like, I mean, a cab. But like, what's going Truly. on in this guy's head? Like, he's like, I really, I need to get to the bottom of this case, and I need to do it by threatening. This seventeen-year-old girl, home. and the mom then being like, "It's suspicious of her daughter at this point." Like, does Bex kind of know the identity of this graffiti man? Yes, but then like for the mom to be like, "You heard him. You're gonna go to jail," like, and not be like, "Excuse me, officer. Please stop threatening my daughter right. in her home." Right, or like you know, go along with the officer, whatever, and then when he leaves, be like. Okay, so 
I'm pretty sure you're not going to go to jail for this. This is not that big of a deal. Like the idea that someone could go to jail for knowing someone who did graffiti is (laughs) wild. Absolutely wild. And not wanting to give them up immediately. Like, okay, okay. I also, speaking of like in her home, I was really trying to get a mental image of this apartment that the family lives in, and I really could not. Okay, so Bex lives in an apartment. It's a one-bedroom apartment with her mom and her older brother, who's like in his 20, or is 20. Um, The mom sleeps in the bedroom. The daughter, Bex, sleeps in the dining room that has doors, which... First of all, I'm impressed that a one-bedroom apartment does Has have a, a separate dining, dining room, room with doors, yeah. With doors and kitchen. And then the the older brother sleeps in a basement with a laundry unit in it. My <laughs> assumption is that this is apartment in the same sort of style as the apartment I live in, in which like it's a like a townhouse, because yeah. that would explain the basement. And my theory for the dining room bedroom is that probably what happened was that it was a two-bedroom house that didn't fit fire code, and so they had Mm. to, like, rebrand it as a dining room. That's my theory. Like, it didn't have a window or whatever, so they're like, it's a dining room. It's It's not a bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, that doesn't make sense otherwise. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's an office. I cannot picture this house at all that they live in. Um, That does make more sense if you think about it that way. (laughs) It was weird. Um, But yeah, she does. She lives with her brother and her mom. And the brother, I also was like, I don't know. They were acting. They were trying to act like he was some like huge bum for living at home at the age of 20. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. 20 years old. He dropped out of vet school, which like, yeah, vet school is pretty, pretty hard. Like and extremely like veterinarians have one of the highest suicide rates out of all professions. Like, yeah. That's totally fine. And I think he also, or there was like another thing. He He's like dropped out of college twice, essentially. Yeah. And I'm not sure, was he originally vet school or was that? Cause it, or is that what he turns out to Is that what he to decides do? to go into? I can't I remember. Know, man. But he Maybe drops out. Maybe it was out, nursing school. Like his it might have been. He yeah, something like that. Um, but then to want to go into vet school. I think they say it's like community college a couple of times. I think they're like he dropped yeah. out of community college because I was kind of like, OK, weird yeah. digs at community college, but OK. Two separate. Um, yeah. And separate then there's also the the issue that he is a bit of a flirt and seems to have several relationships <gasps> going. And I'm like, OK, well. Yeah. And then he has this he current relationship. Yeah. That he's in, his which tech bro, sugar daddy. Yes, his sugar daddy Noah, um, who the family hasn't met yet, but they're obsessed with, and are like, "You yeah. have to keep Noah around. If Noah is the only redeeming thing about strike you." Strike two about mom is like her practically like threatening to disown her own child if he breaks up with a rich person. Yeah, wild. Uh, especially Doesn't considering like Noah just knows he's rich. <laughs> considering like her background and like her divorce and whatever and the fact that her husband is yes. kind of, or her ex was kind of rich, you'd think she'd be like no, don't marry for money. Don't marry but for money. That seems to be the vibe. Um yeah. but yeah, they just really love Noah a the lot for Noah. no reason. Which it turns out is all right because Noah yeah, he's seems fine. like a decent person. He's but chill. It's just like 
And there's there's also kind of this like weird that this is again with these books. It's like it's they so want, weird. Weirdly. They want to do a thing, but they can't commit to it being that bad of a thing, right? Uh-huh. Like we saw this right. with Sarah Dessen. Um, we've seen this in other books, but it's like, oh, we want her to be dating a criminal. But it can't be, like, a criminal he criminal. He can't, like, rob the bank or anything. And same with this, like, Noah and her brother situation. At the beginning of the book, there's kind of this whole thing with, like, the brother is maybe stepping out on Noah. He's going to clubs yeah, very late at clubbing, night. hooking up, yeah. But, like, they don't say he's hooking up. They just keep saying that he's going to clubs without Noah. And I'm like, number one, he's this is... He's being real shady about it. Every he's time being shady. Noah. But we also were on like a break vibe. Yeah, and but also like you don't know what their situation is and you yeah. don't know like You've never even fucking You've met never Noah. met the man. You don't know what like if maybe they have an open relationship, like it's not clear. Yeah. Um but also like it's because they don't really get into details, which I mean they shouldn't, but like it, it never comes out that he like fully cheated on Noah or anything yeah, like that. It was such a weird detail to include. Yeah. So then it, it just never it never pan- yes and then it becomes this weird thing where she tells her brother certain things and when he betrays her and reveals them later on she's like well i kept your secrets and it's like what fucking secrets that he was going to parties he's 20 he's 20 like, cuz they also say drinking age he has a fake but like yeah they also say that that they're like if mom knew that he was out drinking she would kick him out and it's like he's 20 though he's 20 yeah. he's 20 is the thing He's like four months short of twenty one. <laughs> yeah, just let him. Just let him. Whatever. <laughs> I I don't know their whole relationship with their mom. It, the thing is that the the dad cheated on mom, mm-hmm. and then they got a divorce, and it was very messy. Um, <laughs> and and we'll find out why it was messy. Maybe it didn't have to be so messy, but we find Almost out why certainly. a little bit later. But the kids have a grudge against their dad, who who was very wealthy. Uh, he's like a very well known professor of some kind, uh, who you know has 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 the choice, I guess, to just start teaching at Berkeley to try to be closer to his kids. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what uh, discipline he's in. Maybe it is much easier for him, but I don't know what discipline he teaches. But like, I don't. From my experience, you can't just like get a job in academia wherever you want unless you're very lucky or very famous idk idk i mean i think is I, he like so famous that everyone would know his name they call him am i mix i'm mm, no i'm not mixing i might be mixing up sad girl books but they call him like the vice president at some point so he's the vice president of something i thought is he a dean I don't remember. And maybe I wasn't reading very closely and it was like a joke. I searched the text of this book and there's no instances of vice president. I swear to God, there's something about vice in here. Hold on. Oh, wait. Oh, it is. The common reasonable vice president, Von Osh. That was his former job. He was. Okay. So I guess if you're the vice president of something, it might be easier to. It might be. Yeah. He was at Stanford, decided to get a transfer to Berkeley. He was the vice president of Stanford. Vice president. He took a provost position at Berkeley. I don't know what mm. any of these things mean, uh, honestly. I think <laughs> provost is, like, someone who's, like, not fully a teacher there, but, like, does classes sometimes. I could be wrong about that, though. Hmm. I'm about to look it up. Define define provost for me, Google. Provost. A senior administrative officer. 
Oh, so he's like the vice president. Colleges and universities, or the head of a chapter in a cathedral. So he's like the vice president. Of serves as the academic chair or head of the college faculty. Wow. I don't know what else the fuck happens in this book. So they fall in love. They start to fall in love. So he he continues to stalk her. He goes to her place of work. And at this point, she's like, the cops came to my house because of you. I don't want anything to do with you. But he's like, come on, baby, I'm cute. And she's like, you know what? You are. You're right. <laughs> so they start going on dates. At some um, point, doesn't she try to track him down at the Buddhist temple? Because we haven't mentioned that he's Buddhist. And that's a big part of his personality. That is a huge part of his personality that he only talks about and never practices (laughs) um yeah there is a point in time where he kind of he drops off the radar so she runs into him on campus and he's like real shook up about something here's the big secret about jack oh that's what it is he has a quote-unquote lady friend who is a long-term patient uh in a psychiatric facility at the hospital she doesn't know anything about this lady friend assumes it's a girlfriend because of the because will the the unhoused person said lady friend but anyone who's ever read any book ever is like, oh, it's someone it's that's, it's a relative, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Uh, so she kind of starts to like, she's like, she doesn't want to snoop. I'll give her that. Like, she's not like, I have to go like Google everything about this boy to try and figure out the deal. Um, but it, uh, she runs into him on campus and he's like really shaken up. He's like, I just had, I've had a really bad week and I just, I can't do this anymore. And he kind of just like ghosts her. Um, so she, she tracks him down and goes to his place of work, which is at a Buddhist bookstore. I think he volunteers there or something. Yeah. He doesn't need to work. Yeah. Cause he's rich. He's very rich. He goes to private school and drives a very fancy sports car. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, he's, is he also vegetarian? Am I thinking, is this the right book? Yes, he's vegetarian because at one point he brings her some sort of food, like they're eating or whatever, and he specifically brings her one with meat in it. And she's like, gotcha. It's true love because he doesn't judge me for my carnivorous voice. Because he brought me meat. He brought me ham bits in my macaroni. <laughs> Delicious. Um, awesome. I forgot where we were going with that whole point. Uh, so the Buddhist temple and then he, he, she goes there and then they meet up there. Yeah. And they go on a date. They kiss. It's like a thing. Or they don't kiss. They, they agree that they would kiss if they had privacy. If they yes. Don't kiss. And they Does also she... go to the tea room and meet Sierra. Is that on their first date or their first kind of uh, like. I think that's on like their first outing together. That's yeah. not. Because at the end of the of the park date, they have to go to family dinner. Or her oh house yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. They yeah, go yeah. on lots of dates. She meets she meets one of his friends. That's a girl who's who's like, I've totally ha- done sexual things with Jack. Blah blah blah. Um, you know the typical like trying to make another Drama. girl jealous. Blah. It turns out like doesn't even it doesn't even amount to anything. It's just like a nothing. It's. It goes away almost immediately. I feel like it was very intentionally placed in there to be like, to because, you know, I talked about earlier, like, I liked the sexual politics of this book. And I think mm. that's why she's in here, right? To be like, mm. hey, it's normal to maybe be like, kind of like to, to have those feelings of like jealousy or confusion when yeah. like a past 
sexual encounter of your partner shows up, but like, don't take it out on them and don't take it out yeah. on your partner. Like, just be chill. talk through it, right? And then Bex like they was kind very of chill. Bex was very chill, and they kind of have the thing later with Sierra. Sierra starts dating one of um, uh, uh, Jack's friends, and there's this very weird moment towards the end where they both the friend shows up to talk to Bex and is like. I like you guys together be you know whatever he's you know the friend talk <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of that whole thing and yeah. she's you're like good oh for him. yeah you're good for him and she's like oh are you with Sierra now and he's like yeah and she's like take care of her she's been through a lot and I'm like I get that like because we find out like Sierra has been kicked out of her house and whatever yeah. and seems to kind of use sex as like a, a way to uh to feel to cre- yeah to create intimacy yeah. um without necessarily putting in the work. And, like, that's good that that specs is, like, eventual conclusion of, like, hey, just because this girl is someone who sucked off my boyfriend at one point doesn't mean that she doesn't deserve happiness and, like, you know, Mm -hmm. she should have a safe place to be in a good relationship and all this other stuff, right? Sierra also got a happy ending. But it's weird that she, who has interacted with Sierra, like, twice, tells Sierra's boyfriend. Yeah. Hey. Like, he probably knows. He's like, okay, girl. He's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Take care of her. Like, she's not your sister. She's not your daughter. What are you doing? You don't know her. You don't know this girl. Just let her live her life and you live yours. It's fine. Um, so they go on their, they go on some dates. Jack eventually goes to like a family dinner at Bex's house and meets her whole family and Noah. Which uh, I would be so mad if I was Noah or the brother because there's been like that was all their this, big thing. That yes. There's been like yeah. all this build up to like, when is Noah going to meet the family? It's so important that Noah meets the family. Like we need to meet Noah. And then your fucking little sister brings this boyfriend that she shows up with a date. Just met. What? Wild. Just an absolutely unhinged thing to do. Absolutely. Uh- <laughs> This this is the point of the book where we find out that Jack is the mayor's son, and he he just didn't tell he didn't say anything about this to Bex. I don't know if he was like intending on ever saying anything to her. She's very like politically oblivious in her own words, um, but her mom recognizes Jack immediately for who he is. I feel like it's a combo of. They've only known each other for five minutes, so he just hasn't had a chance. And also that, like, classic, I feel like, Victorian-era thing of, like, I wanted to see if they would love me for me, you know, sort of thing. Which we've seen a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, well... I don't know. But it, it didn't end up being that... Like, she was kind of like, oh, weren't you, were you going to tell me? And he's like, yeah, sorry, I didn't. And it kind of doesn't become a big issue. I kind issue. of liked you not knowing. Yeah. So... All right. Yeah, she's she's still about. She doesn't even go into Google his family too much. Like she does, and then she's like, "What am I doing?" And then she stops. So. If you were dating the mayor's son, at uh-huh. what point would you want him to tell you? Oh, um, I think immediately. Immediately, you think that he should walk up to you and be like, "Hello, nice to meet you. We've been talking on Hinge for a minute, but just so you know, I'm the mayor's <laughs> son." I just so you know, before we uh, enter into any sort of romantic entanglement that could end up in in some sort of news mm-hmm. uh 
then yeah, that's when I would want to know because then it doesn't become a, it's not a public or it's not a private affair anymore mm. at that point. Right. Before we engage in Congress, I need to tell you about my dad's run for Congress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, Jack being the mayor's son uh, uses his connections to help Bex get this appointment to, to, to start drawing dead bodies. Um, in particular, she is working on a, on a corpse named Minnie, uh, who she, when she first, she's never drawn an actual, uh, she's never drawn with the reference of an actual dead body. And so it's very upsetting to her, uh, the very first few times, like she has, she, she tries to stick with it, uh, but then ends up like getting really sick afterwards and develops like she, this relationship with Minnie where she wants to draw her in a way that like does justice to her life and wants to, wants to, you know, have, have this memory of her. So she's, she's in the background working on this. Um, her and Jack's relationship develops and then she finds out why Jack is doing the graffiti. So there it she is. is the big secret, the yes. skeleton in the closet. There are two parts or three parts. I don't know. There's some parts to this, some build up. One, she read an article about a break in that occurred in Jack's home where his mother was stabbed and had to go to the hospital um, and she's also heard from some of Jack's friends when they were at a house party that something happened to his sister and she was sent away to boarding school in Europe. Then she finds out that they were twins. So like it's this whole weird family dynamic. She doesn't understand like whatever it was that happened with the twin and with the mom really had an effect on Jack and his personality. And he's just very different. There's a before and an after period. So... Jack finally says, you know, I think we're in a part of our relationship. I don't want to keep any more secrets from here from you. Let me take you to meet my sister, who I think is named Jillian. Yeah, I think that's right, because Jack and Jill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it turns out that his sister Jillian started developing – oh, I should have looked this up before. Hebophrenia. Hebophrenia? It's like schizophrenia, but when you're in your early mid-teens, oh, I think. Oh, okay. I only uh, know this did because... Did they say that in... Yeah, oh, because she in... ends the, the painting she titles like he Hebe... I'm not sure how to pronounce that Greek god's name. Hebe? Hebe? Don't know. Hebes. Hebes. Um, she makes a reference to that, and then the mayor is like, oh, it's also the name for Hebophrenia, which is like what his daughter has gotcha yeah so she she uh started having um hebephrenic episodes yeah i mean i think you can still refer to them as schizophrenic i think you can still say schizophrenic because i think it is like a subset of schizophrenia but don't quote me on that i'm Um, basing this on this book (laughs) she was she was misdiagnosed early on as having uh, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, and was given medication to deal with that. And it worked for a while, but then, it, but then things started getting bad again. Um, and there, the, finally the big, um, the big event that made the family have to take like very serious action was that one day at home, the sister, uh, stabbed mom, um, they had gotten into an argument and, uh, I can't remember what set them off, but she, but she did, she stabbed her mother, 
Uh, everyone was kind of in a panic. They locked the girl in the basement so that they Not could. Not good. Don't do that. Yeah. So they could figure out. They took the knife away from her and locked her in the basement so they could figure out what to do with mom. Took mom to the hospital. Jack came back to check on his twin sister, who was still locked in the basement, went down there, discovered she had somehow grabbed the knife back from them that she used to stab her mother, and then tried to commit suicide. So they, she, the mayor, not wanting this to ruin his image or his chance at re-election or whatever, decided instead it was good to spread this rumor that their home was broken into uh, and the wife was stabbed. And then um, the separate story of Jillian going away to boarding school in Europe. Um, so, but really she has been just an, in, an inpatient at a psychiatric ward in San Francisco. Jack goes to visit her as often as she can. She's only allowed like certain um, visitation hours and stuff. So he's like, hey, I've brought it up to my sister. She really wants to meet you. Um at this introduction where I think Beck says like maybe two things to her. Uh, she sees that the Jack has invented some kind of word game for his sister uh, where there's some sort of puzzle. She has to figure out what the word is. And then once she does, Jack goes and spray paints that word at a place that was important to her. So it's kind of like, no, all right, that's nice. But, but learning this, Bex is like, this was the moment I knew I was in love with Jack. Like, seeing him do this for his sister. It's like, all right. Very, very teenage emotional uh, situation. Uh, but then the sister's like, I really liked your girlfriend, Jack. I'm like, she said two things to you. But she's met, like, no people outside That's of this true. facility in the last, like, four years. She's probably just like, yes, please bring other teenagers around. <laughs> Um, let's see. There's also, like, the subplot where her dad is trying to get back in touch with her. These are all, like, these things just all happen throughout the book in a sensible order, but I don't know. I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) there's a subplot where the dad is, like, trying to get back in touch with his kids, and he sends, um, Bex a, like, hand-carved wooden like anatomy model you know like those those wooden things that they're like rounded off appendages and head and no facial features or anything but this one like was specifically carved to be like anatomically correct with like a skeleton and muscles Which maybe he does not include like who it's from or anything no and without the context of this girl likes anatomy stuff that's serial killer shit right there that is real fucking creepy <laughs> Um, and then Bex emails the shop that it came from because it included the business card. And she's like, hey, what can you tell me about the person who made this? And she gets an email back from the shop. And they're like, we can't tell you that information. But maybe if you come to the shop, the person who made the the model for you is very talkative and, and might be willing to have a conversation with you. Hint, hint. So Bex has Jack drive her up to uh, this wood carving boutique and she is ambushed there by her dad who's like this is the only way I knew I could talk to you is by like tricking or like coercing the shop owner into tricking you I don't know it was I was so confused because wild because how 
So she emailed them the first time and they emailed back. Did she then email them to like set a date or something? Because otherwise, has he just been hanging out at this shop for the last like two months? What's going she on? She must have. Yeah. Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. But she must have like set up an appointment. Yeah. Like to make sure that that particular woodcarver was there or whatever. Yeah. But like that's also really wild for the shop owner to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is adult good. adult man sending an 18-year-old girl. And, I mean, like, you could say she's your daughter. That's fine. But she doesn't I could say anyone's her. my daughter. Yes, I mean, exactly. Sending her, like, an anatomically correct skeleton, wooden skeleton thing, okay, as we've already established, is serial killer behavior. <laughs> and, then to, and then to create this clandestine, <laughs> like... Meeting. Don't tell her it's me. I'm going to Don't. surprise her at the shop. Tell me when she sets up a time to come. Yes. Which, okay, so did he, here's my question. Did he, when he purchased this, say, if she emails you back, right? this is what you should say? Or did the shop owner go, hey, this girl wants to know who you are. And he was like, I have a great, I have a great <laughs> joke. I have an idea. <laughs> Here, this is the only way I can make this make sense. That he lives near the shop or uh-huh. possibly just is like lives near the owner and they're already friends and the owner knows the situation and has gotten the dad's side of the story and is like oh yes a strange daughter I will help to make this happen yeah. because otherwise why would you even like why would the shopkeeper even like email him and check with him unless he had the plan from the beginning which that's playing like six-dimensional chess if so mm-hmm. um so i think i think they had to have been buddies or something i think he's a vice president so he's the vice president he's of berkeley of. <laughs> he has a lot of pull it's a lot going on honestly this uh, is really like a political power match you know the mayor's son and the vice president of berkeley's daughter <laughs> it's just like that amanda vines movie <laughs> <laughs> date with the president's daughter is that mm-hmm. the one yeah, yeah that's one of them that's one of them <laughs> um so anyway <laughs> wait was that an amanda vines movie i think it was there's definitely amanda vines movie about president's daughter amanda vines president's daughter movie um oh god what a girl wants is what okay. i'm thinking of. okay yeah what my date with the with the President's daughter, daughter president's daughter is Will Friedle and Elizabeth Harnwell. So, oh, and it came out in 1998. Jesus. Yeah. So, huh? Huh? <laughs> I'd have to go watch, rewatch both of you these movies. I... See how they hold. Check up. out our next podcast where we just watch <laughs> teen comedies about concerning people with political parents. Yeah, there's Katie Holmes' first daughter. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. the Chasing Liberty movie. Does it oh, mean yeah. more in that one? Yeah. And then I think they're doing a, a movie of Red, White, and Royal bl- Blue pretty soon. That case in oh, question so book. we've got at least yeah. five episodes. There you go. And that's podcast. all you need for a podcast. That's all you need. You don't need 200 like this one. You don't need 200. Uh, <laughs> happy 200. Happy 200th. Um, <laughs> so um, at this meeting, the dad is like, Actually, uh, so your mom told you that I don't want to have anything to do with you guys and that I won't even pay child support, but that's a lie because first of all, she will not let me contact you. I'm not allowed to send you any birthday cards or money or anything. And also she refused to accept child support from me. Which, um, 
I'm not sure that this is how any of this would work. Like, most courts are pretty invested in keeping the rights of both parents. So unless he was like, nah. Unless she could, like, prove that he was even Even in cases of abuse, like, if it's not towards the kids, usually they still keep, I mean, like, you know, there's that whole thing about, like, oh, father's rights and whatever. Basically, it's incredibly in favor of father's rights anytime that the father actually pursues rights. Mm. So, like, the idea that <laughs> the mom was just like, no, I don't want your money. And that's that. And also, and, you can never talk to my kids. Like, he right. had to have given up at some point and been like, yeah. okay, if that's what you want. I f- right. Unless he was like, I feel really bad about the affair. I'm just going to do what she wants, which that's wild. Like... Honestly, absolutely. you're absolute trash for the affair, but also you've you've burned the bridge with your ex-wife. Like, you know, yeah. you need to be worried about your relationship with your kids at that point. Yes. Um also his his ex-wife, the mom, mm-hmm. told this lie to her kids like he ran away with the owner of a strip club and he's like a, and the dad's like a strip club. No, she like owns a very classy cabaret bar. <laughs> like just like all these lies she told her kids. Uh, so that they would side with her in the divorce, essentially. I could have still been on board with the mom with that. Like, if she legitimately thought that, you know, oh, he was this bad guy. Uh, But when Bex presses her about it, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Okay, yeah, when she goes to confront her mom about it, her mom explains it as saying... He ruined my life, made me feel worthless. I used to tell myself I didn't want to make him, I didn't want him to make you two feel that way too. But if you want to know the truth, you were the only thing I had that he wanted. And by withholding you from him, I had control over something. I could make him suffer. Absolutely. That's wild. And that's the way that she says that. It's not like she's just realizing this now. And honestly, like. No, she's thought about it. She's she's thought about this. this. I I could give her a pass even if like a year ago she had come to this realization that like she's doing this for herself and not for them. fucking toxic. And then let them see their fucking dad. But like the fact that she sat on this for so long and was never going to let them see him. And no one, no one pushes against their own dad. Yes. It's wild. No one pushes back against this. No one's like, they all let her get away with it. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we're mad at you that you didn't tell the truth about dad, but we're not engaging with that particular thought that you were legitimately using your children like fucking trophies. Sociopath behavior. That's wild. I could not, I was like, (laughs) I'm done with this woman. She is trash. She's trash. She's absolute the worst. And like, yeah, okay, she's she's a single mother. She has to work these long-ass shifts at the hospital, missing out on a lot of her kid's life. That's what child support is there to help you do. Right. Like, take your rich-ass husband's money and give your kids the, the life you want them to have. I don't understand. If it's it's not about your kids at that point, it's about you and you mm-hmm. preserving whatever dignity you think you have. And I could even see, like, I would be on board with all of that. If it was legitimately a case of she, maybe she was wrong, but thought that their lives would be better without him. Like, Mm -hmm. because there's kind of like an implication that he's maybe gotten violent with them in the past when it says like, it looked like he wanted to like reach out and shake me again or something like that, which Mm -hmm. kind of implies that that's something that happened to her when she was a kid. But like, we don't get specific confirmation of any abuse towards the kids. Right. Right. But like, even... 
ignoring that if she had thought like, oh, he's a bad person, he's going to like ruin their lives, he doesn't care about them, whatever. But the fact that she has moved through all of that into, no, I just want to piss him off. Like, that's yeah, wild. I feel bad because <laughs> he made me feel bad. That's wild. You don't do that to your kids. No, what is wrong no. with you? Absolutely trashed here. Parenting right there. Um, so Bex finds all this out and she doesn't want to believe her dad. Uh, so she kind of just sits on this information for a while. Um, she doesn't want her mom to know that she's gone to see her dad or even accepted a gift from her dad. Cause she doesn't want there to be that betrayal, which also like, look, look how you've brainwashed your kids. That they yeah. don't even want to accept a gift from their father. Okay. Um, she goes to a party at, no, she doesn't go to a party. Jack's parents are out of town. And her mom is working a late shift. So Jack is like, do you want to come over to fuck? my house so we can consummate our relationship? And she says, yes. They do that. They fuck all night. Uh, she comes home at the wee hours in the morning. Guess who's waiting for her? Her mother and her brother. Her tattletale brother, who's told all of her secrets to their mother, uh, including the fact that Jack is the Golden State graffiti killer. <laughs> Which she told him earlier in the book when yeah. she and Jack were uh not she yeah yeah, yeah. when they ethical? were <laughs> when they were doing the cat and mouse thing yeah she's like is it okay uh, if i date a famous graffiti artist and he's like go for it babe <laughs> uh so the mom and bex get in a huge fight where mom is like you can't you can't draw dead bodies uh and you can no longer see this boy who is a terrible influence on you and you go i can't believe you got the mayor to get you to to help you draw dead bodies or whatever. And she's like, I didn't know the mayor did that because I didn't even know Jack was the mayor's son. But hold up. Let's talk about how shit of a parent you are. And then she basically yells at her mom all this stuff, and that shuts the mom down. And she kind of wins that argument, if one were to say there is a winner and a loser of every argument. <laughs> a healthy way to handle arguments. Uh, and, but essentially what it boils down to is that Bex's mom does not want Bex to see Jack anymore and has blackmailed Jack through her daughter saying, I will go to the mayor or the media and tell them who Jack is uh, if you dare see him again, which is fucked up. Yeah. I mean, she's going to send a kid to jail for having dinner with her daughter. This mom is so fucked up. The the mom gave them condoms. The mom gave them permission to go fuck. Like, yeah. she's totally, it's not a, like, the mom is super whatever about sex. Mm. It's literally just that the mom is like, this graffiti boy is doing graffiti. It's graffiti boy it's graffiti and dead body girl. And I hate it. And also, the whole world hates it. And I will ruin this boy's life in if we are accepting the thesis of this book, which is uh-huh. graffiti is akin to murder. Graffiti is a federal crime. <laughs> I will ruin this boy's life if you... Don't stop seeing him. That's mm-hmm. so wild. You were giving them co- hospital condoms a minute ago. Yeah. Which, side note, sidebar, they kind of are like, why does the hospital have condoms in this book? They make a joke about it. But also, why does the hospital has co- have condoms? Is that a thing that the hospital has? Does it just have Maybe, stashes of condoms? Like, I would imagine if they have, like, any sort of, like, clinic to deal with, like, mm, To give out. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, or even, like, maybe at a... Uh, like an OBGYN. Mm. It just seemed like she was like stealing them out of the supply closet with like the gloves yeah. and stuff. And I was She's like, like, let me just go to the condom closet and get right, like, some Why do you guys have this? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, so Jack's solution to this after a while is he just, he just fesses up to his parents about his identity. But now, so not only can the two of them not see each other, Jack's parents have threatened to send him away to boarding school, real boarding school, uh, in Massachusetts, which is on the other side of the country from California, obviously. Which, like, Jack kind uh, of brings up the fact that, like, this, to me, the one one of the issues I had, because of the graffiti thing and the fact that I never believed that graffiti was this high stakes, this also, I was like, this is not that high stakes because he even brings up that, like, they are very worried about Jillian's health. And one of the things that helps Jillian's health is having her twin brother around yes. to the point of like he knows he is not going to travel far for college because he needs to be near Jillian. Yes. Right. So like there's no way that they're actually going to follow through no, on this. Absolutely not. Uh, Just no stakes. No stakes no whatsoever. So the two of them like they can't even talk on the phone because they're monitoring Jack's phone. And the only, and they have to go back to Jack stalking Bex's schedule to, like, kind of meet clandestinely, whatever. The art competition's coming up. Bex is trying to finish her drawing, but she shows up to the morgue one day to discover that they have disposed of Minnie's body in a very beautiful ceremony. She's been cremated. Uh, but Bex was not done with the drawing, and she freaks out because now she's like, not only has she lost her boyfriend, she's lost her one shot at college. Not only has she lost her boyfriend, she's lost her corpse. She's lost her dead body. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> also, I they replaced Minnie. They're like, oh, you can have this new corpse, Mickey. And I was like, why Gross. is it Mickey and Minnie? Why are we doing Gross. that? Why are we doing this Jack and Jill? <laughs> right. What is what is happening? Stop it. <laughs> uh, so then Bex kind of enters like a fugue state where she just she calls off work and does art for a week straight. This is in the summer. I don't know if I've mentioned there's no school to have to worry about. I don't think she she's like a rising senior. I don't think she's graduated high school yet. But um, she calls off she calls off work for a week and just does art for a week. And then uh, she and Jack meet secretly and they come up with a plan to get for him to go to the art competition uh, and they would, they'll meet up there, blah, 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 blah. The art that Bex ends up doing is a portrait of Jack's sister, superimposed with like all the, all the body parts that she had drawn from Minnie. Um, so I'm not quite sure what this is supposed to look like. Uh, and then also like surrounding it are the, are just a bunch of words and phrases that Jillian had been saying, uh, to kind of like illustrate what schizophrenia is for Jillian. Like what, what is her experience with schizophrenia? This is basically her goal with the artwork. Um, she submits this. Jack's plan to get to the art competition is to have his mother speak at the art competition. But it's not just him and mommy that show up. It's him and mommy and the mayor. Not the mayor. They all see the art. They recognize who this is immediately. Oh, that's our daughter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And uh, then then the artwork is graded and Bex gets second place. She doesn't win the $10,000 scholarship. She gets like a $50 gift card to Olive Garden or something. (laughs) Applebee's. No, I don't think they say the specific restaurant. It's like art supplies or something. I don't know. And uh, she's very disappointed. Uh, but then the mayor is like, I will I will buy your art from you. I will pay you $10,000, which is what 
the the scholarship amount was for and she's like no i don't want your filthy mayor money instead the price for this painting is to let me and jack date again that goes for all of you fuck off don't send him away to massachusetts for school and let us date and everyone's like okay (laughs) they do um and then dad who was also at the art competition shows up and he's like i'm gonna pay for you and your brother to go to college you don't have to worry about it it's like, oh, that was a simple solution, wasn't it? That was an extremely simple solution, and we wouldn't have had to have any of the stress if the mom just hadn't brainwashed her kids into hating their dad for no reason. I mean, wow. there's a reason to be mad at him, certainly, but mm. to the extent that whatever, whatever. Is and done. I feel like it was really clear <laughs> that, like, they would have been on her side even if she didn't go. Like, they weren't chill. Like, they. They weren't that young when this happened. They understood that their dad cheated on their mom. And regardless of the circumstances, we're going to be pissed at him for that. Like, they did. She didn't need to do this. No. She would have had plenty of sympathy. And then they could have had, she could have had sympathy and money. And and that would have been better. Mm -hmm. And like weekends away from the kids. Like, whatever. She could date people instead of kind of awkwardly hitting on her kids' boyfriends when they come over to dinner. Yeah, that's true. She's, like, half in love with Noah herself. I think she wants to steal Noah from her son. I think so. Uh, <laughs> uh, Noah and Heath are going to move in together. Sappy ending for them. He's going to be a gonna vet. He's going to vet school. And Bex's mom is like, you can do whatever creepy-ass art you want. The epilogue <laughs> is they Jack Jack, and, and her get into the same art school so they can go to college together. I'm like, what? What is what Jack get into doing? art school with? Is it just lettering? I don't. <laughs> There's he's not shown any other art except for he can write re- letters real good because he does like he does the lettering for a comic book he and his friend are creating and like that's I and mean, I I assumed that he would how be did like you get into art school right like I was like oh is he going for like creative writing because he he write he doesn't just do the lettering he writes the he writes yeah you know so I'm like maybe it's like creative writing or something but no it's like art school he's going to art school he's I think. fully going to art school to make art of letters of letters. I don't know. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that letters can't be art, but yeah, calligraphy is definitely a skill. Yeah, or and like it's beautiful. You know, graphic de- graphic design might be his passion. I don't know, but could be. It was just seemed like There's a lot of questions. Because I think I think he's specifically specifically going for graffiti art too. Because they oh yeah say, they have like they have a special graffiti program they have a graffiti program there which could be real <laughs> okay. I don't know I'm not gonna look it up but I'm not either it I'll seems it. like it seems like that is you know like how boomers make fun of some of the degrees that their children and grandchildren get and we all roll mm-hmm. our eyes and get annoyed like yeah okay so you don't get gender why gender studies is important but it is sort of thing mm-hmm. this is kind of bringing out the boomer <laughs> i'm like you're going to school for graffiti you're going to school though? for graffiti why don't you get into a real art right. like medical illustration wild something useful also jillian is going to be doing outpatient work oh yeah she's on. able to so, come home yeah, yeah that's nice that is nice and that was this book that was this book wonderful so what do we think about sad girls? Would you read more sad girls? Clearly I mean, you have. I have. And I probably would. I definitely think that I would look for more diversity in sad girls, I Absolutely. think. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm a little done with white girl problems at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think I would want to read more contemporary, like things that are being published now, just yeah. because I think that these do become dated very quickly. I agree. Yes. Um, when did this one come out? I want to say like 2017 or something like that, but I could be fully lying. I would believe you. It was... Very um, odd. 2015? Yeah, okay. 2015. So yeah. it was a couple years off. But it was close. a different time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for me, YA contemporary is something I have to be in the right mood for. Mm. And that usually coincides with it being summer. Um, and so now that we are fully into fall, I'm like, I might put you aside. But... I also never feel like never. you tend more towards like uh, sarcastic, upbeat yeah. YA versus That's like very true. dour, sad girl YA. Yeah, I don't care about teen problems. Yeah, fuck the teens, fuck the youth, fuck Just these kidding. teens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking about what we're reading in the future, yeah. uh, next Tell week us. we will be wrapping up our deep sea exploration with uh, the third book in the dive series, The Danger by Gordon Corman. Um, mm. The week after that, it's Halloween, and we're going to be getting back to my current YA horror unit mm-hmm. with uh, an ex- early example of the genre. All right. My choice then, since it's going to be Halloween, mm-hmm. I want to read something. It's very Halloween. Okay. This one's called Trick or Treat. By Richie Tankersley Cusick. Fantastic. I've heard of Richie Tankersley Cusick. Um, I've never read any of their books, though. So that should be interesting. And when was that written? Was it like... That was written in 1989. This book is as old as me. Let me make sure... Oh, fuck. Let me make sure we can get it first. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, There is a Kindle version. So at the very least, we'll have Kindle. It's only 148 pages. Everything about this is blessed. Perfect. All right. Well, that'll be two weeks from now. Just in time for Halloween. Just in time. Literally. Literally on Halloween. It will be on Halloween. Wow. It's like we planned it. What a haunted episode. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any books or units you would like for us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love them or hate them, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, how can we haunt you? (laughs) We want to. We want to be spooky in your ears. If you, uh, did I say that? If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. In the words of Jen Bennett, in a tender moment between these two lovers. Why do you have a 4-H belt buckle? I whispered. (laughs) It was my grandfather's. He loved cows. (laughs) Excellent. I don't know. I don't know what what uh, discipline he's in. Maybe it is much easier for him. But you know, as some did your whole backdrop just fall down on yes. you? <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt though. You were in a flow. <laughs> Too late now. Uh. <laughs>
What a burden to have to bear. <laughs> uh, yeah, M has like a privacy uh, wall semi. Like, what are they called? It's like, like a, a, a f- room separator full yeah, between my divider. like office room area divider, and my sleeping area. Yeah, <laughs> it just like fell on her. She was just sitting there like that whole time. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> That'll be um, the outro. 